early February 1692, Salem Village. A surprise warm spell had taken hold and let loose a torrent of snowmelt, piled up over yet another brutal winter. For the last ten years, New England has been experiencing the worst of what became known as the Little Ice Age. With extremely cold winters and shorter growing periods, even droughts and fires during the summer months, in that February of 1692, rain came and flooded streams, rivers, and fields, turning roads into impassable pits of mud. The God-fearing Puritans of Massachusetts Bay Colony wondered what they had done to bring such punishment upon themselves. It was around this time that Sarah Good appeared at the door of the parsonage house of Samuel Paris, minister of embattled Salem Village, she was there to beg for food and brought her infant baby and four-year-old daughter in tow. They presented a pathetic picture. Sarah with her tattered old petticoat that she had worn for over ten years, having slept in barns and out-of-the-way places. Her wide-eyed little girl beside her, barefoot and in rags. She was given a little something for her children and turned away. And as usual, Sarah grumbled something unintelligible as she made her way off through the mud path, back down to the road. Could it have been a curse? Pipe smoking, muttering, homeless Sarah Good was an embarrassment to the village. Once the daughter of a prosperous family, her father had drowned when she was young, which the court ruled a suicide. Her new stepfather claimed the children's inheritances, which led to an extended legal battle. Later, Sarah married a man who died immediately after the ceremony, leaving her with formidable debts, forcing her to sell everything. She then married a weaver and hired worker named William Hood, whose prospects were apparently not much better than hers. By the time her creditors had finished pursuing her over her father's and first husband's debts, the family was reduced to begging. Many in the community wondered often aloud about how low she had fallen in the eyes of God and what sort of sin she must have committed to deserve such a fall from a once high station. Following Saraga's visit to the parsonage, the violent and crazed fits of Betty and Abigail, the two young girls of the household, increased in frequency and intensity. Minister Samuel Paris consulted with other ministers and respected men in the area. He led fasts and prayer vigils in his home putting the girls on display before the community as they filed in and out of the parsonage house to witness the fits and pray over the girls. Word of this phenomenon spread rapidly through the county, countryside, and colony. Aside from concerns about the girls, side talk at these prayer meetings surely drifted to the topic of the new charter for the colony. The colonial government had recently been through several changes and a new governor had been appointed by the King of England, and not by the local town councils, as had always been the custom. The new government decreased local control and allowed tolerance for non-Puritan faiths, including radical Quakers and others. The future of the city on the hill, the Puritan project to create a model society for all the world to see, was in doubt. Aside from that, the other constant topic of conversation was the intensifying war with the French and Wabanakis, 
occurring just a few miles to the north and east in New Hampshire and what we today call Maine. On Thursday, February 25th, Minister Paris and his wife went off in a drizzling rain to a prayer meeting. Their neighbor, Mary Sibley, came over to the house and said that she knew a way to find out who had cast evil spells over the girls, for she was sure there was some witchery about, as did many in the village. Mary instructed Tituba and her husband, John Indian, to take some urine from the girls and mix it with rye meal. This was baked in the ashes of the fire and made into a cake. The cake was fed to the family dog, which was theorized to cause the witch physical pain, which would then draw the witch to the dog. It is not reported if anyone came. This was one of the many old, cunning ways of the English colonists. Rituals, charms, and spells, many as antidotes to the evil spells of witches and wizards. While the church had done its best to stamp out the old pagan ways, it was so rampant that it had to be tolerated. It is often told that Titubo was the one who introduced pagan folklore to these events. But in fact, most, if not all of these beliefs were of a European origin. The witch cake apparently worked on some level because soon after the girls started to yell out names, they claimed that it was Tituba who was bewitching them, coming to them in spectral form to pinch and torture them. They also named Sarah Good, and another woman, Sarah Osborne, who they said appeared in the form of a bird with a human head. That same night, two more girls in the village began to have fits. Elizabeth Hubbard, niece of the local doctor, and Anne Putnam Jr., daughter of Thomas Putnam, one of Minister Paris's strongest supporters, as well as the head of one of the most powerful families in the village. Young Anne Putnam cried out that Tituba and Osborne threatened to cut her head off. Most importantly, Elizabeth was older than the other girls. At age 17, her testimony would hold up in court.
Sarah Osborne was originally from Watertown and married Robert Prince in 1662. Robert was a well-connected farmer in Salem Village with a 150-acre farm, and a sister married into the powerful Putnam clan. When he died in 1674, he left his large farm in her name with the understanding that she would pass it on to their two sons. But soon after, 
this newly widowed woman with two small children hired an Irish indentured servant named Alexander Osborne as farm help. They soon became romantically involved and rumors spread like wildfire about the scandalous woman who shared a bed with her much younger servant. They eventually married and had two children of their own. After this, Sarah contested her late husband's will in order to be able to pass the farm on to the children she had with Osborne. A contentious court battle between the Osbournes and the Putnams lasted many years. Not only was this Sarah Osborne widely known as a scandalous harlot, but she fought in court against the most powerful family in the village. By the time the constables showed up at her house to take her into custody as an accused witch, she was 49 years old and had been bedridden with a serious illness. She had not been to church in over a year and had to be carried away. Tuesday morning, March 1st, 1692. Three women sit together as prisoners. They hardly know one another, yet are all accused of the same crime, witchcraft. They will soon be questioned publicly by some of the most powerful men in the colony. Their fear is overwhelming and frustrating. No one has any idea where this will all lead to.